Hi everybody, this is Tova from Operation Tube Top, and this is my second podcast. Um, I posted a link for the first one, and it seems like the link isn't working anymore, uh, because obviously, I don't know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm hoping with this one that I finally have figured it out. Uh, technology, ugh. I have a hard time with it. So I'm hoping this works. I think I'm going to have to break the podcast up into a couple of different parts for it to upload properly and fingers crossed because I just don't think I can go through that drama again. So this podcast is going to be uh, sounding like it's brought to you by the Tourism Board of Vienna, but it's not. It's kind of me talking about what makes Vienna different from other European capital cities. Um, Also, in the future, I will be interviewing people because I think when you have a couple more people in the podcast, it can add a little bit more, I guess, something more interesting to talk about and you can hear different voices and not just mine. Um, I guess I should get started. So pretty much... What makes Vienna different? And this is not going to be super educational. So if I get things wrong, you know, you don't have to correct me. I know I'm probably wrong about certain facts. Uh, also, um, this isn't a huge tourism thing. This is I'm not going to tell you about secrets about Vienna. There is a great Facebook page you can check out called Secret Vienna that does have just amazing facts that I had no idea about. So I guess I'll get started and let's talk a little bit about Vienna and its name. So. It was a Roman settlement, and the name was Vindabona. Uh, so if you're from Boston, it can sound dirty if you pronounce it that way. And Vindabona was pretty much, uh, I thought for years it meant good wine. Uh, turns out it meant good wind. So uh, I, I was off. I was off. But that that that's kind of where the name Vienna is apparently where it comes from. Thanks, thanks Rome. Um, so... Vienna is kind of this ancient city and it's been it's been built up of course over centuries and you know you you get to see baroque and neo-gothic and I think those are the only two architectural terms I actually know so you know you you got those um, what makes Vienna so different from other cities? I think number one would be the coffee houses. These are kind of like a huge institutional thing in Vienna. They're all over the city and everybody kind of has their favorite one or the one they hate the most. Uh, that's quite common as well. Um, there's the Cafe Schwarzenberg, there's Cafe Hevelka, there's um, Cafe Central. I, I could go on and on. And I actually did a blog post about the, you know, my favorite coffee houses. What, what is so interesting about them, I think, is the fact that you can pretty much spend hours there just ordering one coffee. Uh, waiters in Austria make a living wage, so there's not really a need for turnover. Um, I don't know if the owners think that's the right way to do it, but you know, whatever. Everybody seems to kind of do this. You go in, you grab a seat, and you can get a big... You get a newspaper that's stuck to some big, huge bamboo rod that you will probably inadvertently hit somebody with. Uh, you order your coffee. There's a melange or a cafe latte. Um, or, you know, if it's me, you order wine. And then you sit there and you read or you talk. And the waiters are not going to be effusive. If they are, they're trolling you or they're new. So I, they're generally going to be quite... I guess a little aggressive, but that's kind of part of the charm of it. It's like, hi, I'm here to have my drink and not be best friends with you, Manfred. So that's good. We're fine. I order my drink, you bring it, and we're all good. We're fine. Uh, You know, sometimes they actually will be 
quite hilarious. They'll make jokes and you'll be like, I think that was a really big insult or you, I don't, I don't know, but you get used to it. There's kind of this term that they call, um, shmay, which is a kind of sense of humor where pretty much you're just a big asshole. Um, I guess they like that. It's a little masochistic, but you know, hi Vienna. So the coffee houses are fantastic and the waiters are usually always wearing tuxedos and you get served uh, your drinks on these little silver trays and it's very old world and I hope that never changes. I remember when Starbucks was coming to Vienna and there was this kind of, what are we going to do? And, you know, it was a great smoke-free option for families and it was a great place for students. There was Wi-Fi. But I think the coffee house culture will continue because there's just something really, really lovely about the whole um, thing. What's also kind of cool is during ball season, which I'll get to in a little bit, is that, you know, you can go there in some coffee houses, they're open all night and you walk in at, I don't know, four in the morning and there's a bunch of people in their their ball gowns and, and tuxedos and they're eating, you know, sausages and it just looks absolutely incredible. Um, I guess tying in with the coffee houses are also, you know, Austrian cakes. So, you know, Paris is known for their pastries and shockingly thin women. And then you've got the cake culture here. And, and most Austrian women are also very thin as well. I, I am still trying to figure this one out, but there are so many different types of cakes. Uh, to be fair, I'm actually not the biggest uh, cake fan in general. And creamy cakes, I mean, despite what I look like, are actually not my thing. But I do have a couple favorites. I do like the Mozart... <clears throat> Uh, Torta, that is a good cake. There's marzipan. I'm, I'm a fan of that. And uh, I know a couple of friends right now are probably dry heaving when I say the word marzipan, but I do like a good Mozart cake. And then there's the Saka Torta, which actually is from the very famous Saka Hotel. And the funny thing is that this is kind of a very not liked cake. Uh, it's, I guess it's the, uh, trying to think of someone who's not, oh, it's the Catherine Heigl of cakes uh, in Austria. I think you either have kind of a soft spot for it or you, or you don't like it at all. But I have to say, I, I'm a huge fan and they serve it with a little bit of whipped cream. And if you go to the Blue Room at the Sacre Hotel, you can have it with a glass of uh, sparkling wine. And yeah, I guess I guess the, the wine helps. Uh, but it is, it's, uh, it's kind of a famous cake and I, I do love it. I've had it since I was a kid and it's one of these things that, I guess it's like how people think about root beer when they've never had it as a kid. It tastes like toothpaste, but soccer torter actually, for me, I find them amazing. So I'm a big fan. Um, I guess another thing that makes Vienna unique is, um, I guess, the balls. I mentioned that before for the coffee shop. And no, I'm not being dirty. Um, this is a family program. No, it's no, it's not. Um, Vienna, uh, starting November 11th, that's when ball season kicks off. And if you go to the Graben, which is this kind of pedestrian zone in the first district, on November 11th, at 11, 11, people start waltzing. And they waltz beside the uh, Pest Soile, which is actually a statue in honor of the plague. I, celebrating the plague? No, maybe... The plague was bad, so I don't I don't know what it's supposed to really represent, but it's it's quite a fabulous thing to watch. So if you are in Vienna November eleventh, that's where you need to head in the morning. So there are so many different types of balls. I mean, you've got um, I mean pretty much any type of career that you can have, there's a ball for it. So you've got the fireman ball, the police ball. Um, maybe there's an IT ball. I don't, I don't know. Or, you know, administrative assistant. 
could be. Uh, but the big the big ones are kind of the, well, the, the Alpern Ball is the, the biggest ball here, and that's at the uh, Opera House, and that's on my bucket list. Uh, every year when the tickets go on sale, I'm like, nah, I don't know, I could not eat for a few weeks and buy a ticket or sell something. Yeah, I, it's a lot of money, but it is absolutely spectacular. And that's the one where all the big stars go to, you know, really important stars like Kim Kardashian. Um, but no, Sophia Loren was there once. And who else? I almost said Idi Amin, but that was, that would have been awful. No, Kofi Annan, I'm a terrible person. Um, I need to, I need to read more. Uh, so it's absolutely spectacular and it's definitely something you can watch on TV and it's, it's a lot of fun. There's also the science ball and that's close to my heart because, uh, someone that I know organizes it. So of course, plugging it right now. And that is at the city hall. And that's, you know, it's a, it's wonderful. It's a great collection of people. You've got students, you've got people who are scientists, you have people like me who obviously not that intelligent. Uh, but it is, it is a fantastic ball to go to because also the dress code is a lot looser and you don't have to wear the floor length ball gown and men don't have to wear tuxedos, a suit, but not, not tuxedos. Um, I'm going to take a little quick break here to see if this works and I will talk more about balls in a minute. <laughs> 